This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 199 with guest Aaron Stutland. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. Thank you again for being here another hour or so every week. I'm just so incredibly grateful that so many of you show up every week. And I wanted to tell you that on Monday, February 5th, this coming Monday, is the start of something new. And it is just for the month of February. I am going to, on weekdays, do daily podcast episodes. These are going to be a little bit shorter than what we're used to. I'm thinking maybe 15, 20 minutes. And there's also going to be corresponding emails that go along with them. There's also going to be worksheets every Friday to help you learn the lesson that I'm actually teaching. So if you are not subscribed to my emails, you can do so very easily. Easily by texting the word kickass, all one word, to 444-999. That's the word kickass to 444-999. You'll be subscribed to start getting those emails this coming Monday. And I'm excited for today's guest. Aaron Stetland and I have known each other online forever, and we are having an amazing conversation today about so many different things. I'm not going to blah, blah, blah about it. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just roll out this interview slash conversation. But first, let me tell you a little bit about my friend, Aaron. Erin Stetland is a mind, body, wellness, and fitness expert and the host and coach of the new weight loss transformation TV show, Altered, on Z Living. Stetland is the creator of several mind, body, fitness programs, including her signature Soul Strolls. Erin has appeared on The Rachel Ray Show, Fox News, KTLA, Glamour Magazine, Shape, Yoga Journal, Real Simple, just to name a few. And without further ado, here is Erin. Hello, Erin. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk to you today. Finally. (laughs) I know. It's been forever. You're also one of those people who I've known forever. And and finally, in 170-something podcast episodes, I finally have you on. I just was waiting until you were 35 weeks pregnant or however pregnant. (laughs) 34 weeks pregnant. Yeah, 34 weeks. Ready to go. Almost ready to go. Yeah. Well, of course, congratulations on that. That's so exciting. Everyone, Erin's pregnant with her first child, a baby girl, right? Yeah, you got it. Oh, I, I just, of course, we spent some time talking about that beforehand. It's just such an exciting and uncomfortable time. And luckily, you're not this pregnant in like the blistering heat of New York City. So... Oh, well, I had some really hot days and then I was in LA shooting, um, cause I shoot a TV show, a, a weight loss transformation show. And, um, there was like some major heat waves and oh, I was yeah. like, and normally I love the heat and I'm like, get me out of here. <laughs> like a walking heater, especially when you're that yeah. pregnant. I was pregnant. Yeah. I was nine months pregnant both times in the summer and it was in uh, Southern California and it was uh, brutal and we didn't have air conditioning. Oh, oh, that's insane. We lived not that far from the coast, but still, I mean, you don't have central air when you live. Most houses don't that live that close. But, you know, as the years have gone on and this, you know, pesky climate change has (laughs) kind of changed things for heat. But we're so happy for you that you're having a baby. And I love everything that you stand for in terms of 
you know, women's empowerment and exercise. And we're going to get into a few different things. And the first question I have for you is about, because I hear this a lot from my audience, is that that feeling of being stuck. And, and for some who really love their creativity, they might feel uninspired. And I know you talk a lot about that on your on your blog and feeling unclear. And you share your experience with this cycle and how pushing, you know, trying to force yourself into being motivated and unstuck is really not the answer. So what tips can you share with the audience to help people get unstuck and more inspired and motivated? Well, the first thing, you know, that I always say is that movement in your body creates movement in your life. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, hardcore exercise or any, any particular kind of fitness program whatsoever. I just think that a lot of the times when we're feeling stuck, it manifests in our body and we want to sit on the couch for hours on end or, you know, there, a stuckness isn't just in the mind, it's in the body as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the, I think most important things that you can do is actually get up and, and move, shift your perspective. Um, and you know, that could mean going for a walk 10 minutes away from your home, 10 minutes back, breathe in the fresh air, start to change your perspective. It starts to kick in the endorphins a little bit. It's obviously so great for stress reduction. Um, <clears throat> or find, find really any way to move. That's, that's one of my biggest tips I would say. And I, and I see it a lot with people, you know, because I think when we're stuck also, we get very in our heads uh-huh. and, you know, we start to overanalyze things and overthink things. And we're like, should I do this or should I do that? Is this a good choice? Is that a good choice? Nobody in my it, audience overthinks anything. So we can just <laughs> skip that topic altogether. <laughs> You know, and I, you know, I'm a big thinker myself. And so it's just, it's really easy. And I think that, you know, the way to solve anything is not really, is not by thinking about it because you just kind of end up going in a little bit of a, a circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to really get engaged with it. And I think part of that means getting engaged with yourself and your body in the present moment. And the best way to do that, I believe one of the best ways at least is through movement. Um, the other thing that I love to do, uh, that I've done for years and years and years, I think since I was 18 years old and I'm not exaggerating, um, is the morning pages, which was, uh, it's a concept sort of introduced by Julia Cameron who wrote the artist way. And the idea of it is to write three pages of stream of conscious writing every morning. And it's really just a brain dump. And, it's not that you go back and you read it. You don't, you're not trying to create anything brilliant. You're not writing a blog post. You're not, you know, you're not selling, or maybe you are, you know, maybe that does come up. Um, but I have found, I have notebooks full of morning pages and I don't ever go back and read them. Um, but I think there's something about the pen to paper. Again, there's something about the movement of that and the time that you take in the morning. You know, we wake up and we have we, you know, the alarm clock goes and we're like, Oh my God, I have so many things to do today. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can keep us paralyzed really, you know, where do we really begin? And so we want to just kind of clear those blocks and clear what's, um, those thoughts that are kind of keeping us in, in that cycle. Um, and so I find that the morning pages works really, really well. So those would be my two, my two number one tips, move and write, move and write. And that's so interesting because, I think sort of the topic du jour lately has been morning routines. And there's Mm. been a couple of books out there that I have every intention of reading, but have not, and probably won't for a long time, to be honest about, about the importance of 
the morning routine. And I believe it. Like I trust that that is really, really important. And I've gotten better about my own. I used to, you know, because my real personal development evolution really kicked into high gear and started when I already had two little ones. Mm. So for me, like I kind of chuckle when I hear people who have these like extensive morning routines and they're like, totally. wake up and meditate for 60 minutes. I'm like, you clearly do not have children because if you did, totally. you, do, you have a nanny or a partner that takes over in the or you are really great at getting up at four, four 30 in the morning to be able to do that, which I know that those people exist. And if you're listening, fist pump to you, right? right I right. Have, have never, like I was sort of forced into being a morning person personally. And I'm, I'm much more, um, I've surrendered to it and actually enjoy it now. Yeah. All that to say that I have never done, I, I've heard about the morning pages and I'm like, that's a really great idea for someone else. <laughs> right. Well, but well, I, I have a very abbreviated version of it. Yeah. I sit down and write three things I'm grateful for and three goals that I have. I do skip days every once in a while, but yep. for the most part, even just having that habit allows me like, and it takes me just a couple of minutes to like sit down and get it out. And it also doesn't allow me a lot of time to overthink it. Totally. I think, I think that's awesome. I, I, I to your point, I think it's just about getting what's in your head out, out. and down onto paper. Mm-hmm. And I do think there is something, do you write it by hand when you yeah, do absolutely. it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do think, you know, I know everyone's different. Some people love the digital. I do think there's something really powerful about actually moving your hand over paper. I've always um, that. And mm-hmm. even, even if it's only five minutes and mm-hmm. I will confess, you know, since being pregnant, my morning routine, I agree with you. Like I used to be so indulgent in my morning routine. Oh, this is my morning routine. And I'm like, you know, and my brother who has three kids would make fun of me. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, there's no such thing, you know? (laughs) And I'm going to be honest since being pregnant, especially later in the pregnancy, like the morning routine is not, it's, it's kind of like lay in bed for as long as I possibly can. And then like crawl out, you know, it's it's definitely changed. So I imagine with children, it is a lot harder, but the one thing I want to say about the morning pages and it doesn't have to be three pages because that could be really long. It could be a single page. It doesn't have to be done first thing in the morning. Mm. You know, sometimes it's great to do it, even just like take a time out during the day. Even if you do work at an office, you know, on your lunch break, just take out your journal and just kind of do a brain dump. And I've had a lot of clients who also, they'll do it in the evening too, before they go to bed. Yeah. There's no really right, right or wrong time. That's of day to true. Do it. That's a really great point because I've been doing that with some other topics that I've been working on. And more recently, actually, before, because as we're recording this, I'm getting ready to have the second book come out and I'm, I'm coming up against some upper limit stuff, mm. which happened the first time and it totally freaked me out. And then it started to happen again the second time. So I saw it coming, like a friend like coming over that I already knew was coming. So yeah. I've been doing some journaling on it and it's really interesting what ends up coming out. And, and it's that pen to paper, like I'll end up writing like four pages really unintentionally because it just keeps flowing. So I, there, I think that there's something to say too, with that whole, what you were saying about a body in motion stays in motion, that whole thing, like sometimes a pen in motion stays in motion as well. Exactly. Exactly. I think there's Mm -hmm. something really powerful about the movement alone. And you don't, you know, that's, that's what I say. Like when you're moving your body of some kind, I don't mean, you know, 
some sort of intense exercise. It could be really simple and subtle. And it's just about creating more flow in your body, which creates more flow in your life. Absolutely. Well, speaking of exercise, I think that all of us, including myself, have had times where our intention is really great. Like, you know, we, we know what's best for us. We know that it's eating better, exercising, getting more sleep, all of these things, having a great morning routine. So what do you think are the biggest obstacles in making this a reality? And what advice do you have to be able to get past those challenges? I mean, the first thing is that I think we all just have to own that we can't do all the things yes. all the time. So yes. I think that's, I, I think that's like really, really, really important. And, you know, I'm someone who, who loves movement of any kind, you know, I was a dancer, that's my background. So it's, you know, it's important for me. Movement is medicine. It gets me out of my head. It gets me out of anxiety, depression, and any of that. So, so to some degree, movement is a non-negotiable for me. And, um, but there's of course times that I don't do it because I have business stuff to take care of. And so I'm like, I'm not going to have time for that. But I think, I think it's about, um, prioritizing and prioritizing what's really important for you right now. And if that means, and, and what is going to make you feel the best in terms of that self-care. So because you can't do all the self-care, right? Not necessarily every single day. You can't do the meditation and the journaling and the eating and the exercise and the, you know what I mean? There's Mm -hmm. so many things that it feels overwhelming. I would say focus on one thing that is, you know, is going to move the needle for you in an emotional way. What's going to make you feel the most alive, the best version of yourself. I think a lot of the times what I've seen, especially I see this a lot with clients and and participants on the show that I work on. Yeah. I think we get comfortable feeling crappy, Mm -hmm. you know, and it becomes this way. And we sort of, we, we sort of forget what it feels like to feel really good. And I think that's where you have to start to really, you need to sit down and have a real chat with yourself and say, what is it that I need to feel good today? And then, and then you have to make that a non-negotiable for yourself Um, and I don't mean being strict because I'm not, I'm, I am, I am someone that if you tell me I have to do something, I will not want to do it. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I I, I don't do well. I don't do well with like a lot of rules and a ton of structure. Like I need to stay in a sense of flow. So if you're listening and I don't want you to interpret what I'm saying is like, you have to be strict with yourself. Actually, what I want you to look at it is, is a way you have to be loving with yourself right? and you have to be kind to yourself and you have to ask yourself, what is going to make me feel wonderful today? And you have to just make that a non-negotiable. Sometimes that's peanut M&Ms for me. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, I think that is absolutely sometimes what is going to make you feel great. Um, and sometimes, and then there's the other side of that where you're like peanut M&Ms every day and you start right. to realize, you know, it's not making me feel or great. Or if it's like a hundred peanut M&Ms, I know that that's not going to make me feel great. If it's six, right. yes. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you have to really know what's going to make you feel good and what's going to push you over the edge where it's, you know, even like the self-care stuff, you know, it starts with this idea like, oh yeah, I'm going to do these, let's, let's even say the morning pages, I'm going to do them every single day. 
And then you start to notice like, this is a drag for me and it's taking time away from something else that I want to do. So, and it's the same thing with the peanut M&Ms. You're like, yeah, I can have a couple, but if I have too many, then it starts to feel, I start to feel badly. So it really is about tuning into what's going to make you feel good. Is it five minutes of exercise? Is it 20 minutes of exercise? Is it a long walk outside with a girlfriend? Is it a class at the gym when it comes to movement? You know, you have to get really clear on what's going to make you feel good. And then you just have to make it a priority for yourself. And that's, you know, I wish that there was a magic pill that I could give people when they, you know, they're like, I get started, but I don't stay with it. I get started, but I don't, that's the biggest thing I hear, um, with people. And listen, I get it. It's, it's hard to kind of keep something going, but it really is about doing that daily check-in with yourself and saying, what do I need to do today to, to be a great version of myself? And that's, that's your work, Mm -hmm. you know, that's your work. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that. And I'm sorry, everyone, if you can hear my dog barking, she's outside and there's people outside and she just loses her mind. People have really gotten to know my dog based on my Instagram stories and her, (laughs) her toys. But okay. I want to say something about the whole people that start and stop. So this has been my pattern really forever. I think it's a lot of people's patterns. I think that there's actually a smaller percentage of people who are consistent in their healthy self-care in terms of like eating right and exercise and, you know, all of the, even the spiritual work. I, I think that the majority of us are on the team where there are some inconsistencies. Yeah. So what has been helpful for me, for anyone listening, who's on that team with me, I finally surrendered to it. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I remember I had a client who, who that was happening to. And I asked her, you know, as we ask these questions of our clients and it's not necessarily, it's more, sometimes we ask questions just to see what happens when you ask the question, not necessarily because of a, a distinct answer. And I said, what if this is just your pattern and that's okay? Like, what if you get to the end of your life and whoever's at the end, like doing your life inventory is like, yeah, that's exactly how you were supposed to do it. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. If it didn't like massively impact your health or anything like that, like what if that was it? And she felt so much relief from that and like just permission to just kind of ebb and flow in and out, you know, as long as she wasn't again, like in dire medical problem area and it wasn't the case at all. And so I took that, you know, sometimes we were teaching what exactly what we need to know. And I had that realization for myself too, because I would beat myself up and being a helping professional and, and I went to college college for exercise physiology. Like I, that was my, that was my, um, industry in the beginning was fitness. And I was on my way to get a dual masters in nutrition and exercise phys. And I ended up not doing it, but that was, you know, what, that's my background. And so I'm extra, I was extra hard on myself about it. And then finally I was like, I remember I looked in the mirror one day, I was having this conversation with my friend Elizabeth Dialto. And I was like, I looked in the mirror after I got out of the shower and I was like, that's my mom's body, like right there in the mirror. That's, that's Mm. what I grew up seeing. Like we have the exact same body structure and probably the exact same weight that she was when I was my daughter's age. And when I was a little girl, she was just, she was just my mom. Like I didn't think anything. (laughs) And she was pretty much always an active person. She played a lot of tennis, but all that to say, it was such relief for me to just give myself permission to just say like, it's okay if I fall off the wagon for a few months and don't exercise. And now I'm easing back into walking. I've been talking about it on my Instagram stories, which I know I, I want to ask you about that. And, and it just feels so much better. Like it's, it was a yeah. huge body image lesson and just really 
just surrendering to who I am and, and not letting myself off the hook to completely go off the deep end. And, and that's just really not something I would do, mm-hmm. but yes, I do love peanut M&Ms and I'm going to eat six of them. And I know, yep. like, okay, this doesn't actually, like I'm done. I'm, I'm, I don't want to eat this anymore. Cause it, cause listening to my body, I think is what I'm trying to spit yes. out here. It's just listening to my body and my spirit and like what mm-hmm. I actually want. And if I go through a season of not doing Tabata exercises every yep. single day, that's yep. okay. Like it's no one's okay. getting hurt over it. No and I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think you need to also think about, you know, always sort of reconnect to why you're doing these self-care things, right? Because a lot with exercise in particular, a lot of times exercise is about, uh, for most people, it becomes about, um, losing weight or changing their body. It becomes about getting this sort of external thing to happen. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, for myself, not that that's not ever a factor, but for myself, like really, if I go too long without movement, I, I will get depressed. Yeah. And so, and so it's not about, you know, going in to the gym, even for 20 minutes for me is not necessarily just about getting, it's not really actually at all about getting my body to work a certain way. It's like, I didn't take my medicine, you yeah. know what I mean? And like, then I don't feel well, but what's interesting. So, so for me, I, I, I am able to be not totally consistent by any stretch, but like, if I went for months without exercise, I'd be in a bad place. However, you know, for me, uh, like another wonderful self-care thing is like cooking for yourself. I don't freaking do that consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wish that I did. Like, I love it when I do it. I feel so good. I feel so nourished. I love being in the kitchen, but like I can survive, you know, I feel okay if I don't, you know, yeah. if we do take out for multiple nights at a time, like I still feel okay. And so I think that's what it's really about. I think a hundred percent to what you said that it is absolutely okay to ebb and flow with these things. What I think is most important is to identify whatever self-care practices are going to just make you feel better. And if you notice that you're going through a period of time where you're not feeling well, and I mean, when I say feeling well, I just mean feeling like yourself, feeling connected, feeling alive, feeling okay, feeling accepting. Um, and that doesn't mean being happy all the time, mm-hmm. but if there's things that you notice that are really off, then, you know, you want to ask yourself, what is a practice that I could do to bring me back to myself? Yeah. And and you might only need to do it for five days, you know, mm-hmm. and then be like, you know what? I feel better now. And I can kind of not do it for the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. And so I want to segue into, cause personally, I, I knew that I hadn't, because after my dad died, it kind of like all fell apart in terms of like not working out and just, it it just is what happened. And I'm totally fine with that. And I started walking again because here's how my mind went though, Erin, like you'll appreciate this. So I was like, okay, I need to start working out again because I feel like shit. Like not because So I I used to exercise mostly for other people. Like it was to make my body look a certain way for other people. I'm way beyond that, thankfully. And but I've, you know, I've done, I've been a triathlete. Um, I used to play roller derby. Like I, I, I'm no, I'm no stranger to hard exercise. So when I decided, okay, I'm done with this season of my life of not, not moving, I am like, okay, well, should I sign up for a 10 K? Maybe I should do another half marathon, which by the way, I hated. (laughs) Or maybe I should like, you know, maybe I should try CrossFit again, even though I didn't like that when I did it. So it's like my, that's where my mind went. Like it's very, it was very all or nothing, which I have a history of doing. Mm. And I know a lot of my listeners listeners do as well. And I, yeah. I caught myself and I was like, you know what? I don't want to do another race. I don't. I, I, and I don't know if that's going to be forever, but right now it's not what I want. What if I just started walking? What if I just started stretching? And I know you have like, um, 
a program called Soul Stroll to kind of make the most of our daily walks. So tell me more about the program. Like, I honestly didn't know. I think I had heard you talk about it, like in passing and like on the internet where I see you all the time. But how does it work? And and you you say that like it helps us rewire our thoughts. Absolutely. So, you know, I live in New York city. So, you know, walking is, is the defining. Yeah. 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 It's a given here. But I noticed that this was years ago, I would say several years ago, I had, I was going through a breakup, a pretty bad breakup. And I was, you know, really, really sad. And I would, um, I would go out you know, when you're going through a really tough time, it can, it can consume you. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, you know, I don't have all day to be sad. (laughs) You know, I have to do other things. Um, and so I sort of set it up for myself. Not, not that I wanted to like compartmentalize it completely, but a little bit, because I was like, I want to be as productive as I can in my life, but I also need to give myself space to grieve and to feel this heartbreak. I I would be like, well, I'm going to do a daily walk and this is going to be like a healing walk for myself. And I would go out at the end of the day and it would be, you know, it would be sort of my time, my conversation with life, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, where it was just like, here's your, here's like, talk to me, tell me what I need, tell me what I need to know about this experience. What do I need to learn about healing at this time? What do I need to reflect on in the relationship? What did, you know, what's my part in it? What's his part in it? And I found these to be so powerful because it was really dedicated time for healing, which I think when we're going through something like that, a loss, we don't, it it can kind of color our whole day, which is, which is okay. And we don't really give ourselves like space to really dive into it and be with the pain. So that's what these walks were. And I started to kind of just call them my own little soul stroll. And as time went on, I, you know, I started to feel better and then I would like pick up the pace and then I would listen to some music, you know, so it wasn't just about like the inner conversation. I mean, it started with the inner conversation. And then I started to incorporate some mantras with it, like, move some, some high energy music with mantras and things that I wanted to rewire in my own mind because Mm -hmm. I was so, I felt so broken and I felt so, um, I felt like love wasn't for me, you know, and that it wasn't possible for me and I wasn't capable of it. And I had screwed up and I, you know, was never going to get there. And I really needed to send myself a new message that was like, you're loving, you're lovable you're wonderful. You're capable of tra- of attracting love. And so I started to work sort of with mantras while I was walking and I just noticed a huge impact. And so over time I decided I wanted to make a recording. And so I took, you know, high energy music and I recorded coaching sort of in mantras over it. And I gave it to some people and they were like, this is amazing, you know? And so that's sort of where the program started and it's just grown from there. So now we have I've created like four, at least four different playlists of music and mantras. Um, and each of them have a different theme. You know, the first one we did volume one was I'm a magnet for success. So it was just Mm -hmm. really about calling in your success. The second one was about, I trust my intuition. Um, because I, you know, I talked to a lot of people who were struggling with like, how do I really hear what it is that I want in life and what is it that I want to do? And then this last one that we did is called the, the magic of taking action, because I really believe that, you know, you got to, you got to put one foot in front of the other and you got to take little small baby actions. And sometimes to where, where we started this conversation about feeling stuck, sometimes the best way to get unstuck is to just simply take one action. Even if you don't know where it's going to lead you, you don't know Mm -hmm. what it means. You don't know if it makes any sense. And so, um, so these soul strolls have been really wonderful. And what, what they're, what I love about them is 
you know, while I do have some exercise programs, what's great about this is it's, it's, it's really for anyone at any, like you could be 20 years old, you could be 70 years old, you could be super fit. You could be just getting started. Like it's, it's, and, and people use them for a variety of things. So they'll of course go out for a walk with them. I have, um, someone just sent me a note. She was, she was actually training for a 10 K and she used them on her 10 K. Um, sometimes people who do like, you know, who get, who like a cardio machine, but get kind of bored with a cardio machine. They'll use it on their cardio machine. Um, people play it in their car. Like when they're driving to work, they play it for their kids. So it's really just like a really fun, inspiring, high energy playlist, music soundtrack with mantras. And there's, you know, you get creative with it and figure out how you want to use it. Mm-hmm. I love it. We'll, we'll definitely link up to that in the show notes. And I, I love that. I find myself, so I kind of switch back and forth from when I'm on my walks from music to audiobooks or podcasts. And, mm-hmm. um, it really depends on the mood, but I, I love that you've, you've incorporated that. Cause I do, I think it is about rewiring your brain. And I talk a lot about, you know, that as decades go on and we get older, these neural pathways have been created in our brain and that's where our core belief system comes from. That's where our self-talk comes from, which is the next question I want to, I want to ask you. And we, cause I talk about this a lot over here on the podcast, like as women, we often have inner critics that can get pretty bitchy at times and be the cause, the root cause a lot of our self-confidence. So how do you recommend we quiet that inner voice to gain our confidence back and, and really live healthier lives? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, the funny thing is, is we all have an inner critic mm-hmm. and I think it never goes away. <laughs> I do too. Thank you for saying so, that. Cause I yeah, do too. I think so, it's about managing it, not eradicating yeah, it. Exactly. So newsflash, this is a part of you. And, um, <clears throat> and so the first thing I think is just about recognizing that this will always be a part of me. And especially, you know, and every time I try something new or every time I do something out of my comfort zone, or every time, you know, maybe, maybe it's not even something new. Maybe it's going back and doing something that I haven't done in a long time. You can expect that that critic might pop up and say like, really, you're going to try this again? Or, Mm -hmm. Oh, you think you want to do this new thing? Um, and so I think it's, it's a little bit of a, of a dance. I think some of it is just sort of being like, thank you so much for sharing. You know, I like to say that a lot to my inner critic. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and do this thing. Um, I think, I think you have to kind of figure out techniques and tools that you can use to quiet the inner critic. And they might be different tools that you use at different times. So for example, one of them is, like I said, thanks so much for sharing, but I'm going to go ahead and do this thing anyway. That sometimes that sometimes that works wonders to me. And other times it doesn't because the inner critic will be like, Oh really? Really? And it'll just get louder. I'm like, Oh my God, Jesus, I can't stop listening to you. You know, other times I have to like really do some journaling on it and do like kind of what you were talking about with your, the upper limit stuff that was coming up around the book is do like a brain dump and be like, this is what I'm afraid of right now. This is, you know, scaring the crap out of me. And I write down all of my fears and I'll often then turn those fears into affirmations and just the act of, um, kind of flipping the script a little bit. And even when I say I'll turn them into affirmations, you know, I'll take an affirmation and I'll write it, you know, 10, 15, 20 times in a few different varieties, you know, a few different flavors, but around that as, as a way, it's almost like, again, like a moving meditation as a way to just like move myself into like, okay, yes, yes, I can do this. I'm capable of love. I'm loving. I'm accepting of myself. I attract good things. I attract success, you know, and I kind of just will flood myself with it. Sometimes I need to do that because I need a little bit more than just a thanks for sharing moment. Um, 
So I think you have to find what works for you. And another thing that I think really works well is I think the inner critic doesn't like when we actually do take the action, you know, it, and it's like, Oh, okay. I guess you're going to do it. All right. I'm going to sit out this one. Mm-hmm. So I think some of it comes down to, um, you know, as tried as it is Nike's just do it because I think that taking the action, um, can really, can, can be the very thing that brings you the confidence. You know, so often we think that we need confidence in order to take action. And I think the opposite is true. I think mm-hmm. you need to take the action and you gain the confidence and therefore the inner critic gets quiet because now all of a sudden you took the action. You're like, Oh, I did it. And now the voice that says, well, I'm capable is louder than the inner critic. Yes. So I think those are three, you know, tools that I use interchangeably. And I think it really depends on, um, which has sort of like been the theme of what we're talking about today. It really depends on where you are and what you need. Mm-hmm. And it's about being true to that. Absolutely. I agree with everything that you said. So I have nothing to add. <laughs> but I, I do just want to really underscore a couple of things and that what you were talking about regarding the mantra, you know, like the, the thanks for sharing, but I'm not listening to that. That's, that's what, that's like one of the very first foundational tools that I teach in inner critic work. And it really, it's about, I don't like to tell people to a couple of things. I don't like to tell people to totally change their negative thoughts into positive affirmations. I think that we're too smart for that. And our BS meters are like, no. Um, I also don't like to tell people you don't not, you don't have to have a fierce throwdown with your inner critic. Like it's still a part of you. It's like still this part of you that's trying to keep you safe. And you know, you've been probably at war with yourself for a really long time Yeah, and you don't need to keep being at war with yourself. Does that make sense? Like you don't have to tell your inner critic to fuck off. And I hear that sometimes. And, but if that really works for you, then use it. I just have yet to meet somebody where that feels really good. And sometimes it's like initially empowering, but at the end of the day, it's better to work with your inner critic rather than against it. Because your inner critic is, again, it's just trying to keep you safe. It just has a really poor way of communicating. The part about how you were saying that confidence comes after action. Yes. I cannot tell you how many times people have said, like, how do you gain self-confidence? Like you do, you get confidence by going after what you want and sometimes failing and getting back up and doing it. I wanted to mention one thing though, for people, what I hear sometimes is, yes, sometimes conquering the inner critic is just about taking action. What I hear from my people a lot is they get past those thoughts of like, oh, I probably shouldn't do this. What if you fail? What if everyone thinks you're stupid? And then they take action. And then the voice comes in of who do you think you are? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's upper limit stuff. That is yeah. um, yeah. imposter complex. That yeah. is really y- your inner critic, like kind of going for the jugular. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay, well, that didn't work here. I'm going to come in from another angle. Yeah. So just forewarning to those listening, right, that right, that's right. what you might be, that's what you might face. And so it's just a different version of your inner critic. So be prepared. Yeah. And I I think, you know, part of what we, you know, talking about this idea of accepting your inner critic is just kind of, I don't know if this is going, you know, necessarily deeper with it, but I found, you know, over time that it's been very helpful for me to acknowledge parts of myself that I think are not acceptable. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, whether it's like jealousy, anger, 
sadness, you know, like rage. I think rage is one for women scares the crap Mm. out of us. Yeah. Like these parts of us that were like, "Mm, I don't really need anyone to see that. And I certainly don't want to look at it. So I'm going to put it in the closet. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, I, I have felt a really big shift in my life when I opened up that closet and I really owned that, like, "Mm -hmm, that's part of me. That is real. That is real. Uh, Sometimes I am overly ambitious, let's say, and that's, uh, and I don't like that. Or sometimes I'm not ambitious and I'm lazy and I don't like that. Sometimes I'm jealous and I don't like that, Mm -hmm. you know, and sort of being like acknowledging these parts of ourselves, um, of who we are and not necessarily saying that's all that I am, you know, and really just saying that's a part that is a a color that I can, that I can paint with. If I so choose, I have that accessible to me, but that's not my only color. And, um, I think that that by really looking at sort of what's in your closet, I like to think of it Mm -hmm. is, um, can really also help quiet the inner critic because the inner critic is like, jealous you're jealous what a piece of shit you are for being right. jealous uh-huh. like you're you're supposed to like be so excited that somebody got something that you wanted how could you be you know and and you're like well but what do i do but i'm feeling jealous like it's real and um i think it's important to acknowledge that part, those parts of ourselves i really do yeah i love that because i i think too for everyone listening the people that listen to this podcast are typically people who really value personal development and they've typically been in it for a while. You know, they've, this isn't the only podcast that they listen to. They've read many self-help books. They might've even like been to some kind of seminar or something like that. And they get, they have that inner critic. That's like, you should be farther along by now. Like you should have your shit together with this. And, and, you know, it's like, we're all on this journey and we all have setbacks. Yeah. And you should be loving all the time and you should not be judgmental and you should be, you know, and you're like, but I'm human. Like sometimes I judge the crap out of things, you know, or whatever, whatever it may be. So I do think it's moving into a deeper sense of, um, true self-acceptance for all that you are. And I, I really think that that helps quiet the inner critic. Absolutely. I wish I had something to quiet my dog because now UPS. <laughs> she's not used to being in the backyard either. So the UPS <laughs> guy's here and she's losing her mother loving mind. So anyway, on that note, <laughs> I love this conversation. Thank you so much for, for being here in your state of very, very pregnant person. But again, thank you so much. We will link up to your website and to the Soul Stroll, Soul Stroll program. Say that fast. In the show notes, I am so grateful for this conversation, Erin. And and to everyone out there, thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful that you come along with us every week on the podcast. And until next time, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Bye.